Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at StartupRadioNetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Welcome to episode 149 of the Latino Founder Hour. Your host, Edgar Navas, welcome you. And today, I have a special friend. Thank you so much for joining us, Cristina Lopez, founder of PhytoCure. How are you doing, Cristina? Thanks for joining us so early in the morning. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, thank you for having me. And, and it's great to meet you. And, and again, just before we, we connected, you started the show, recording the show, I was telling you, you know, I'm definitely behind your cause. We read your story, very inspirational and quite an amazing experience that you have behind you. I mean, it's, but why, why don't we start, you know, from the beginning, uh, what, what, you know, where, where are you coming from, Christina? Originally Brazil. So I'm a Brazilian and I grew up outside of Rio. Okay. And eventually immigrated to actually the Northeast, the Boston area, then moved to New York City, then back to Brazil, then to California, where I am now. Oh, wow. Well, so quite a change in, in climate. So you went from tropical to cold to semi-tropical, arid right now. Yeah, yeah, no. So kind of, uh, and, you know, some sprinkles in between all that, but that's been the the, the main trajectories. <laughs> well, cheers to that. And yeah, I, I saw that you went to school in Boston. Um, so, and then you, you had a, a, a fantastic career in, in, a career in financial. Uh, you you work for you know some of the big companies, the Lehman Brothers, brothers uh, and you yeah. know, up to the Cerberus Capital. So yeah. you know, as 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 as, um, as a Brazilian, how, how was that experience? You know, for, you know, uh, a Latino woman uh, working in this environment, immigrant, you know, first generation here, and just working with this, you know, big names and and financial, you know, fast pace. How was that experience? Uh, no, that's a great question. Uh, it was actually I was unusual in the story. You know what I mean? So I had to kind of accept that and try to play it to my advantage. It yeah. was not common. It was not common at all. Um, and so it was unusual. I think what gave me kind of a, a special superpower, as many of our friends here in your community know or know through their 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 families, Brazil had had really bad hyperinflation. Okay. Like when I was little, I mean bad, like the prices would change in a day. So I developed uh, like an intuition, you know, to understand interest rates, inflation, things like that, that really came because I was coming from there and I had actually lived it. So it was like, it wasn't, I had to do like uh, learn it. It yeah. was like in, you know what I mean? So that really helped. So I kind of could land and I was just so much ahead of everybody else. I mean, just so much more, but because, you know, Brazil had had this horrible, horrible episode of, you know, basically a lost decade in the eighties. Yeah, well, and you know, most of Latin America, we we didn't live hyperinflation, but we did have you know some some you know some some of those cases where well, not to the extreme that prices. I remember reading about it. I studied economics in in college and and reading in in Argentina, Brazil in the eighties. You know, prices changing from the moment you went in the supermarket when you pick up the produce, and at the time you got to the to the cashier, so there were prices. So to us, we're like, oh my gosh, that what that that's unheard of. It's 
crazy. There was someone in the supermarket that their job was just to go up and down and like constantly change the prices. I mean, that's wild, right? Like this is like complete instability. You can't plan tomorrow. You know, it's a lot that goes in that. It's not just the economics. Um, But from the economics and the finance side, it actually, it was a great school for me. And so, you know, kind of going into what at the time was the blue blue bracket Wall Street when it came to those kind of things, emerging markets, I was just in a league of my own, basically. Yeah, because I mean, and 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 I think, well, now that you put it, you know, what a wealth of experience behind you—something that nobody could could get other than on a book—and it's different to get it from a book than on the on the ground. You got it exactly, exactly. Yeah, I could probably go talk a lot about that, but yeah, like that's uh, that's that's it was really turning uh, a situation, right? Almost a a, a country crisis, let's yeah. say, and well, almost like learning just about it. Switch and it, then- yeah. Well, and that's what we talk a lot of in the show. You know, how do we as immigrants use where we come from, like the, the perceived disadvantages to our own advantages? Like, look, you know, I, I got a different lens, a different perspective of you that grew up in the comfort or w- without having to uh, to deal with those inequities or, or, or pro- you know, big problems. But yet then you come here and then turn them into your advantage to, you know, become who you are. Yeah, make it an edge. I mean, I would definitely say, and also it put me in a position that I was thinking mission number one, always. So I wasn't one of those people that went in that direction and was like thinking, oh, you know, the stock, like, no, I was thinking, I know what happens when there's a liquidity crunch, when a country cannot access capital, um, so I know I know that very personally. So it wasn't like an abstract. Yeah. And you know what? Let me try to help and, you know, kind of get some of the world's capital to those areas that have dire need. And I'm sure there's a smarter way we could do this to avoid these situations. So that's what was the, my guiding principle. And I got into that and never left in a way in the sense, I mean, I mean, until today, you know, yeah. with dogs and cancer, I'm still doing the same thing. How can I take basically a category, right? That's a bit either obscure or not really well understood. It's certainly not an asset class. And how can I bring all the resources? Like, so yeah. first for me it has to be a very big unmet need, you know? So I have to see that right. there's a real, this is impactful. And then how can we rally, whether it's technology, capital itself, people, idea, you know, just the whole thing and shift it and rally it towards that problem and actually give it, you know, kind of a vision of of hope. Um, And that's frankly what I've been doing all my life and frankly what I'm doing now, but just in Silicon Valley with dogs. (laughs) cancer there you go so 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 and here we are so so how do we go from new york financial center of the world uh, you're dealing with capital markets to curing cancer for dogs how how was that how how, was that so yeah where's that connection so um so you know when you work in emerging markets you're always working most likely with like agriculture you know i did a lot of clean energy deals um you start to get involved in more that infrastructure. So there's this aspect, usually not always, of sustainability in the whole thing. And you end up doing something in healthcare. You know, like like you know, it's just part of the story. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna hit that. Even if you didn't wake up and say, I'm going to work in healthcare, you're going to end up working on something with a hospital or some some version of uh of that. 
Um, for me, actually, I while I was working in in finance, I was also actually I believed very much in in volunteer work and service. So I joined a few boards, actually at Credit Suisse, where I was on you know the trading floor. They we actually partnered on the trading floor, the emerging markets folks, with a nonprofit called Empower, EM Power. And it was about emerging markets. And it was how can we get capital? You know, folks are kind of profiting. How can we bring the money back? Yeah. And so, and then I joined the Emerging Markets Traders Association charity ball, something like that. It was called EMTA. And again, that was a ball that raised capital across Wall Street for for nonprofits in emerging markets. So I got very like involved in all of that and I loved it. And I just couldn't believe the talent actually of the people. So when that, I ended up actually serving actually on Planned Parenthood for the board okay. uh, as advisory director for the whole Western hemisphere. Oh, entire wow. Thing. Hemisphere, yeah. not West Coast. Hemisphere. hemisphere. Yeah. Hemisphere. That's 30 million health services per year usually to the most marginalized and frankly voiceless. Yes. Uh, we help like Haiti had a natural disaster. They were like the, you know, the folks well, the that were there, they yeah. had infrastructure. Oh, wow. Then um, Bolivia has the highest cervical cancer rate in the world or, or one of the highest. And so we helped, uh, there's a precancerous vaccine that okay. frankly for women who have screening, you know, they don't really need like, it's good, but it's like a nice to have in a place like Bolivia is like a need to have. So, oh, wow. you know, help kind of talk like big pharma to closing this really big gap. Uh, so you can see how like I started going that direction. Then my dad had cancer. So it's like, you know, start like going down a direction. And then I met my co-founder. Um, so I was always looking for more kind of uh, going from, let's say, a bit the abstract to actually the real tangible. And so in that, I, I already kind of had it in me that I wanted to found a company. So I, okay. I, I had that, you know, like I hadn't yet. So I am a first time founder right now, but I had it that I, this is my next thing um, and have that experience under my belt. And so I met my co-founder who was a vet, a veterinarian, right? Yeah. But who had come from a medical family. And one of the key things he really felt strongly about is, um, you know, on one hand, you have all these animals like that need help, like, you know, yep. cancer and all sorts of diseases, because actually dogs share lots of diseases with us, diabetes, you know, all these things, arthritis. And on the other hand, there's like, call it like big pharma that needs data from animals. Today, they do it in a kind of more animal testing, if you think, if you know what yeah. I mean, in a laboratory. But his creativity was, what if we actually connect these data sets in a much smarter way and go really bold and almost redefine animal testing from a dog being a subject to a patient? Yeah. That so makes we more went sense. that direction. And so yeah, a more so, humane approach. Yeah. To, to research. Actually better, better data, actually better evidence, because this is natural disease. Mm -hmm. It's in the same environment. So that's kind of where we began in the journey. And then the more I went in, and I think there's also an opportunity that we're part of, especially here in, in Silicon Valley, that is looking at bio, the whole bio space. And I think COVID has shown us this, where we need to lower the barriers to discovery. So accelerate all of that. 
Yeah. But it has to be with the last mile of patient care. It can't be like, oh, it's happening there. And then patient care is happening there. It has to be like together so that we don't have issues like a vaccine that gets done so fast, like the Moderna, like printed yeah. very quickly. And then, you know, there's still tons of people that don't have it. Why is that? So Correct. I'll stop there. Yeah. No, but, but and, and what do you, um, what do you mean by the, the last mile uh, in, in the healthcare? So what, what is that? So the, the last mile, so if you care about patients' lives, you care about the last mile of care. So it's like, think of it from the COVID point of view, is like mm-hmm. the delivery of like, why, you know, still lots of the world doesn't have access to the vaccines. You, you know what I mean? Yes. That yeah. last mile when technology is already super fast. So it's already, you know, so basically what's going to happen in the world is um, research and development in the biospace is going, it just went from kind of uh, 1.0 to 3.0, you know? Like, uh, yes. <laughs> like, you know, it really just did. And well, we had to, yeah. And of course, yes, it totally had to leave this world of almost a craftsmanship and very like one target, one molecule to something much more, call it industrial in terms of not the manufacturing, the actual discovery itself. Mm-hmm. So that's happening. And we're very much part of that conversation. And the question is now, when you have all of this, that's going to be cut, that's already happening at record speed, how do you then get it to the patients that need it most? So okay. that last mile of care. And that's not uh, trivial, actually. It's really a big thing. Even, no, no, even, no. In, for, even in the, in like, you know, in that it's like, yeah, no, no, no. We and we've seen it, you know, in the news. You're absolutely. I just wanted to clarify, you know, what that entails. But it, it is uh, probably just the most important part, uh, you know, the, actually delivering and closing the loop. Yes. You're right. Absolutely yes. right. So I'm really interested, actually, in how can we bring these things closer together? So, and, well, and and so so you went from Wall Street. You had this idea, uh, and how did it how did it turn into Phytocure? So we had the idea in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, actually, uh, in the living room, you know, kind of was coming together. Um, and so we, you know, in Brazil, it was going to be very hard to, to found a company like that. I mean, it's um, Brazil has actually a pharma sector. It's not insignificant. They're one of the places, you know, like India, for example, too, mm-hmm. that produces drugs. But it just is not, this is like on another wavelength, you know? So yeah. I already knew we needed to come to California, like Silicon Valley, like there's nowhere else but here. Like that, I had that in my head. And actually I wanted, that was part also, I wanted to be a founder and be in this ecosystem. Okay. Um, so I already had that in my head, but you know, it wasn't obvious to go from Brazil to Palo Alto because, um, you know, first it's super expensive. I mean, there's like, you know, yeah. network. I mean, it's not like a place you walk in and it's like, you know. So, um, so we first went from Sao Paulo to Philly, actually. Okay. Uh, which was just frankly like a pretty soft landing in the sense that it's you know it was pretty reasonable to live there. Um, I was having a baby, so it has really good like healthcare. Um, and so, uh, and my co-founder had to finish a little bit of uh, he was wrapping up Warden Healthcare and Penn Vet, the veterinary school. Okay. So it kind of was like a base, and so it also gave us access a bit or in the community of the university. Uh, Penn mainly, but there's a few others. And so we were able to kind of like get at least some of the initial thinking fleshed out there and not have um, 
Yeah, and basically be able to to you know kind of those are basically our like this pre-seed stage was there. Okay. So so that was the the actual founding of the company and where you, where yeah. you guys did do you go into an accelerator at all or do you find any startup programs that help you? Um I mean the the one that was really I would say um game changer for us and it's probably no surprise was Y Combinator. Okay. For me for me personally it was like a almost life-changing from a founder point of view because remember I had not been a founder I'm first time founder yeah. Latina woman I mean you yes. know like immigrant, there's not a country club yeah immigrant yeah. like there's not a country club for me to go learn how to do things you know <laughs> like just like definitely don't fit in that department so so basically or or more here you know kind of like 20 year old hoodie world like I'm like you know I'm like <laughs> yeah. basically like I was coming also beyond all that of unusual background, right? Like most people here are engineers, you know what I right. mean? So like, so it was very a different background. Everything was different. There was like no box whatsoever. So YC actually was really wonderful because um, one, I showed up very ready to learn and move forward. You know, okay. so I think it's a lot. You got to show up and do your best. Like, yeah, that's it. And I think, you know, there's a specific process they follow and you either resist it or you go into it. And Hey, you know, I don't know what's for us. I did not resist. I like kind of, so even times when I was like, really, you know, <laughs> um, I suspended my own belief was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go like, it's either you're in or you're not, you know, like yeah. going all the way. So I suspended any noise in my head, anything. And I kind of did a bit of like, all right, I'm just, I'm going to follow. I'm going to, I'm going to flow with this. I really am. I did happen to have fantastic partners. They, you know, you have usually um, like a group partner. And so, I mean, at that, you know, I, I don't know if that's always, but it was fantastic. Um, a mixture of kind of more the tech world and bio. And then, you know, the founders themselves are amazing. So it was really, for me, it was like, I kind of, I really, really took it in as a way of being, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and that was huge. And so the, this was pre-COVID, you know, and that was presential, you know, so, so you, you, you were at YC. Yes, yeah. So this was winter 2018. And the funny thing is, is like, it's all at night. And, you know, okay. by this time now I have two toddlers. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. So that, that's all crazy. It was all crazy. It was all crazy. But, you know, it just like did it. And uh, even at the closing of YC, the two babies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know? wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really wild. Like So definitely did not fit, fit the mold. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, but but that's what you know makes the story also unique. Uh, you know, you, you, you have this very diverse background and, you know, you're here from first time founder to racing over $10 million now, which is amazing. It's, it's, yeah. Congratulations. It's, it's not easy. It sounds easy when you're really just in, in the papers, but like, you know, there's a, a long trail before that. And, you know, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm sure long nights, sleepless nights, uh, a lot yeah. of work. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, so after um, why I mean YC, you know, what was the curve that you start, started experiencing? So you raised some capital, started to see some growth, and started to you know get into product. Yeah. So our first year, so we 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 raised um, our seed from Andreessen Horowitz um, after YC. 
So that was also another pretty big inflection point because that mm-hmm. was also kind of a new community and like a, an amazing community. And they're just, it was early days of their bio fund. Um, so I also felt, you know, there was kind of a nice, uh, nice moment there too. Um, and they also foster very much, uh, you know, kind of bringing like-minded, you know, founders together they're very much keeping ahead of the curve. So, you know, there was a meeting of the minds and um, and also, frankly, support because our story is a bit unusual. You know, it's not the everyday story. So even for YC, I think now I've heard from them, there's been many like us, but like we were yeah. really the first one. So they gave oh, us okay. a bit of break. Yeah. So basically... We, um, from, so with uh, Andreessen Horowitz, uh, we started really building out the product and we were doing a pilot and we have a DNA test for, for the tumor. So we basically looked at what's the absolute best in the human world okay. and then we translate it back to the dog. And I say back to the dog because lots of things are tested on the dog, right? So again, yeah. like how can, how can the species now benefit from all this research and development that has happened? Because oncology in the human states has been um, has it's really done. Yes. There's really been, it's, it's a very complicated disease, very, very multifactorial, but, uh, but there's been lots of progress too. So how can we lift basically everything possible under the sun? and bring it back to the dog. And that's where we started to think, okay, this test, why this way? And that's where you have to, you have to have to think of the last mile as you're designing. I see. Okay. Because I'll give you an example, you know, at YC at the time, there were just like some of the best people in the world thinking um, how to, you know, characterize a tumor, all sorts of techniques. And so, you know, like, oh, you should use fresh tissue, not, you know, another type, but then, but then logistically that gets very complicated. So you might do something that on paper sounds oh beautiful. You're going to get the best information possible, yeah. but you actually can't implement it in a clinic, in a hospital, because they don't have the right way to, you know what I mean? Store the tissue. I mean, there's like just yeah. all these things. So you have to think that last mile as you're designing and we were very mindful of that and and honestly i do think that having been you know in latin america growing up and knowing like and then working also in last mile type of stuff with planned parenthood like you know that those are real things um and i think now with covid lot there's lots of consciousness around that but i don't know if there was so much consciousness i think lots of people just you know were oblivious yeah 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 and so I found that it was very, very important. And I do think that I was very much a, a grounding force in that, uh, meaning for me it had to pass the like the practical, the implementation um, had to be really, it was very, very key. Interesting. So in, in, in our fight cure, is that a preventive or, you know, after the fact that, that, that a dog has already been diagnosed with cancer? So that's, uh, we do need a diagnosis, cancer, yes. Okay. Uh, we work with dogs, no kitties yet. Um, but, uh, and essentially, but it can be, you know, basically any cancer uh, can be, they just learned there's cancer. It can be, oh, the dog has had cancer and, you know, relapse, had treatment, you know, like, you know, can be any journey, but we do need the cancer, yes. And then we bring in um, this DNA test to test the tumor, but the tumor, because they have the diagnosis, 
there's already been a biopsy. You see what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So we don't need to go in and redo it. So again, that mindfulness of like minimum invasion, minimum harm, ease, you know, let us do the work. Let us go find where's the tissue. And you know what I mean? Like was very much, let us do it. Let's superpower the clinician who's at the front line, the pet parent who is going through this terrible journey who's a guardian of a dog that doesn't talk. So there's even more emotion sometimes than with humans actually. Um, And so, you know, who's been the best friend, family member. So we do this, the test, and then the test gives us a lot of information at the molecular level of what may be driving the tumor. So it's like really important. Yeah. Really important information. We modeled it after in the human world foundation medicine, and we went to talk to the leadership of Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York, which is like the top, uh, you know, Oncology hospital. Okay. Yep, yep. And so they also have a test. And so we went to like, we did lots of research. We got to know who were, you know, I got to know people that had been on the board of Foundation Medicine and their partners to know like, what are elements of success? And now let's think the veterinary setting. So that was great. So we got it to a place we were happy with. And then... But then we thought, okay, why are we going to do all this beautiful information that could really, you know, help in guide the treatment? But mm-hmm. when the treatment toolbox was very thin. Okay. So sadly, those, you know, so many therapies have been tested on dogs and don't come back to the species. So how now we need to close that loop. So then we worked and figured out what are this whole class of drugs called targeted therapies. And they are exactly what they sound like. They go at the target, like at the mutation. So basically at the, you know, at the the driver of the cancer versus just, you know, chemo usually zaps good. And bad. Bad cells altogether. And so with that, we, um, we basically, you know, helped enable, we partnered with a pharmacy and we helped, you know, enable uh, 10, 10 of these uh, targeted therapies so that okay. when, you know, a clinician or pet parent gets that report with that information, that vital information for their dog's tumor, like you would as a human mm-hmm. in a top place. I mean, really, it's like that, that good. You then have tools to like, okay, let's work, let's intervene in this, in this cancer journey and let's try to, you know, learn and turn it around. And the beautiful thing is we're capturing the data set okay. of this journey end-to-end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to, so that to, then we can the make it picture. better. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I saw that you, you, you guys also partner with, um, with compounding uh, companies. Is that just to, to, to do the appropriate mix per, per breed, per size, or, or, or in this um, case, per, so, per tumor? So it, yeah, exactly. So it's to go, you know, it's really individualized medicine. So the idea is that cancer, uh, you know, that your, your your dog or, you know, frankly, even people are unique and sadly so is the cancer. So we want to go in with as much precision as possible and be as efficient as possible. So that's where all of these kind of techniques re- really help. Okay. And, and you know, j- just in... in in general terms, you know, now that you guys have been operational for a couple of years, what have you, I mean, have you learned anything that you just keep, you know, reinventing or um, retooling your, your formulations? Yes. So actually the whole platform, so PhytoCure, we look at as a platform is what we call a learning healthcare system. So it keeps learning. So it's, you know, 
we get, uh, you know, we get all that genomic information of tumors in dogs. So we have the largest data set in the world for that. But then we're correlating that with the dog information, like the breed, the age, you know, male, female, like all sorts of correlations happen there. And then we actually track the treatment, right? So we're correlating to the treatment and then we track the outcomes from safety and efficacy point of view. And we keep learning with what, what's coming up a lot. And yeah, no, my God, we have so many learnings. Um, Like for example, you know, we didn't, I mean, most many people and actually Latino communities were a bit sensitized to like BRCA, you know, BRCA one and two. Okay. Uh, it's a mutation. Uh, and so, and so basically we're seeing that. So it, it just starts to like change the game when you start seeing certain things, you're like, oh, you know, we need these kind of therapies or, you know what, actually we don't see that many of those. We, we thought we were going to see a lot of this type of mutation. We actually don't now at close to 1500 patients enrolled. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. We have millions of data, data points. I, I love millions. that you call them patients. I love it. Oh, totally, yes. totally. Yeah, yeah. It's really a patient. Um, so, so basically it's completely learning. Like it's always improving, always, always, always improving. And we, you know, and, and we, we, and that's part why we're in biofunds and kind of cutting edge technology centers, because, you know, we, we started talking to AI people from day one. They want. Wow, that's that's fascinating. And and I, with that conversation, I, I got you know a couple follow up questions. That uh, so, it, your platform is obviously global nature. This is not limited just to the U.S. Uh, I, I, now, and and with that data set, are you acquiring trends uh, by region, by breed, and also will this you know turn into more of a preventive uh, rather than you know re- a reactive? Yeah, so great question. So one, uh, we have our first international partner in France. So we have, you know, kind of um, kicked that off. I would like very much, and we had a request, I believe we've enrolled patients from Mexico specifically. Uh, It was a little more complicated, but we were able to do it. And then uh, obviously Brazil is actually a huge market for pet market, potentially the second largest in the world. So it's a really big deal. Yep. So that's a big thing. Um, has a little bit heavy regulatory in certain things. So um, we're trying to like figure that all out, but I have fantastic uh, partners that we could do this with there. And then, um, so that's from the point of view of the globality. And then obviously, you know, the world is changing so much in uh, Southeast Asia that, uh, I mean, definitely that's that doesn't go, we've already had folks uh, talk to us from Hong Kong and Singapore, um, you know, like how can we partner? So those, those are rapidly changing kind of, you know, societies where, um, the dog is, is very, the friend of the dog yeah. being the, not just the best friend, but a family member. It's a is family, a yeah. friend. Oh, absolutely. And, and cancer is the number one disease killer. So that's the part that I think people don't really understand. And that's why we need to do a mission and a movement around this. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I lost one of ours years ago to cancer, a great golden retriever, but you know, he, he was also all, but I think he had some, some, some time left if it, yeah. if it hadn't been for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And then in terms of the prevention, so we're working on a new technology right now, uh, liquid biopsy. So that is intended to move towards the preventative side. So early, early, early or pre-malignancy detection okay. so that you can potentially even intervene pre-malignancy. Um, so, but that's still a bit away. Um, we'll probably, we'll start launching, um, you know, liquid biopsy as soon as we feel that it has the right scientific criteria to at least monitor the cancer. Okay. And now let me ask you this quick personal question. Is your goal to, uh, cure cancer or eradicate it from even beginning in, in a dog? Um, that's a really, that's a, you just asked a very profound question because, yeah. um, so so a couple of things from goals. So one, you know, as we learn in this data set, believe it or not, we're helping to inform human R&D. So we started out looking from the human advancements and bring it back to the dog. But now in this but data, coming back. and we're already impacted. We're already impacted. We partnered with ASI, a drug company, Global Pharma, and interrogated some of their questions about uh, a therapy in dogs with a similar cancers of sarcoma, very aggressive, very terrible, that afflicts humans and dogs. And lo and behold, we presented the data findings together at a very prestigious conference. And I'm so happy to tell you that they now move the therapy to humans in the clinic at Mass General. So it's like, Really, wow. like what sounds kind of crazy, we're doing and it's happening. This is proof of concept, but yeah, I think you you can just imagine now the opportunities. So that's been a really, really beautiful thing. It's just so like a constant feeding circle, you know, from yeah. human or to, an infinity to dog. Loop. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. infinite. Yeah, coming back. So yeah. yeah, so that's really um, so that's one one pretty big accomplishment in terms of directionality. And then, sorry, remind me what, what you just asked me something else. Oh no, no, yeah. So, so so if it was you know as a personal note, if it was just oh, like to oh. cure it or to prevent it from even happening in the oh, beginning. Oh, okay. So that's so so this. Everything I've been saying, we're doing pretty much now, or we're developing it now. I think where things will go, and I know this again, we're going to sound really like out there, but it's actually probably not, is um, I think there's going to be some opportunities um, with even CRISPR technology to go, you know, like really, really game change. So um, too early still to say, and but you know, at the CRISPR technology is really, 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 um, it's like it's a massive game change that mm. we probably haven't felt yet, but it, it's coming. Yeah. Um, great book by Walter Isaacson about this. So recommendation. Okay. And what's, so, it, what's the name of the book again? Oh or, my God. Walter well, well, Isaacson. Yeah. Sorry. I can't remember the name right now, but it's, uh, it's about CRISPR. Oh my God. It's like on the top of my head. Um, We'll look it up. So it's the big, it's the big one. It, it's a really, okay. it's a, it's a important book right now out there. And so, uh, for anyone interested in kind of this game changing technologies that are coming online, you know, on board that almost like the age of bio is happening. Yeah. It's already happening, you know? So, uh, again, where before you have to remember, you know, the, the discovering, a therapy it was 10 years billions of dollars i mean so almost artisanal you know like let me try that you know rather than if you think a more tech industrial approach is just very different um 
obviously those two come together. There's a part yeah. that's very industrial. There's a part that's still a bit, uh, somewhat of art a little bit, or, you know, um, so more to say there, but I, I think there's going to be really big things. Okay, that's and, exciting. And we will be the ones to bring it because we're already in the portfolios. That's the beauty of being in, say, A16Z Bio, you know, Andreessen Horowitz Bio Fund is I have my human counterparts just like right here doing that. Yeah, yeah. So I've already had discussions of can we CRISPR out lymphoma out of dogs? Like, oh, oh wow. That's already, yeah, yeah. To see the, the, this, this term is just amazing. And that's why I asked that personal question. So, so what is it, you know, cure it or prevent it? Uh, you know, and 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 it just trying to still to grasp that you know continuous feeding loop infinite from human to dog or any other species, and then coming back and then just going back. It's just uh, it's very fascinating. I think it's it's incredible work that you're doing. Yeah. No. So uh, thank you. Yeah. That's that's um, kind of uh, that's that's part of the journey here, and we couldn't do it. You know, we need. It's a real movement. Um, the clinicians who are at the front line, even during COVID, yeah. um, you know, the pet parents who just, I mean, they just love their dog so much. Uh, oh, absolutely. 10,000 calls last year, 10,000. Wow. During COVID. And then that was, you know, another thing. So how has your business been affected by COVID, but by the lockdowns? I mean, you're in California, which got, you know, well, still is, you know, a little bit uh, difficult to navigate. And yeah. how, how, have you had any significant impact? So on one hand, you know, kind of think it macro, um, the role of the dog is actually more important. So, um, yeah. so in some ways, actually, it's been very supportive from that directionality. I think there's a lot more just, yeah, like it's happening in that sense. Um, from the point of view of back to what we were saying in the beginning of the delivery of care, that last smile for the patient, you know, the bottlenecks at the clinics were quite huge because the clinics stayed open. So that was good. I mean, some yeah. closed, but mostly stayed open. However, they were operating, you know, with half the staff, right? So yeah. very, very rigid protocols, like the, you know, pet parent has to drop the dog off at the sidewalk, doesn't talk to the clinician. Like, this is complicated. It's, you know, so, oh, so cancer care has been actually quite complicated during COVID. Um, and, and on the other hand, but the other side, the pet parents have more awareness and almost a bond and the human animal bond is growing more. And then, oh my God. Yes. you know, and, and even signals of, for example, the appetite to spend is higher. You know, you see even IPOs, bark box, like, like it's, it's essential. Right. And, and look, and, and we get it because the dog is yes, the dog is love. Right. So it's, it's, it's a real thing. So so it's kind of both sides. What we ended up, what what ended up happening is, you know, to, to much extent, and this was a surprise to us. Um, the pet parents are, you know, they really are so devoted. Many of them have had cancer, had a family member with cancer. Many from the scientific medical community, kind of like who seek us. And so in a way they became an ally, you know, in terms of like spreading the word and, you know, let's like, so, so it was kind of a redefinition a bit um, because we couldn't go to the clinics. Right. So to, because there's a new, this is educational, right. So yeah. it's a paradigm shift. So that doesn't happen. It's not the everyday, you know, bread and butter. It's a paradigm shift. So we need everybody together in it. And I think that's been the learning of, of COVID is like, we go together, 
you know, we move and we can actually move the needle, but it needs to be together. So really team-based, you know, real team-based way. Yes. So, and, and Christina, you know, so what's your, um, what's your biggest ask right now? You know, what's your most pressing issue at, at moment? I mean, I, I, you guys are expanding, you got funding, so which was good, you know, it's, it's a good problem to already have, but what's in it right in now? The middle, in your, the middle of in the middle uh, pandemic. COVID had started. <laughs> yeah, we had actually... Um, so, uh, thank you. So, I mean, I think first and foremost is, um, you know, if you know somebody or, you know, whose, whose dog has cancer or in your community, spread the word, you know, in your social media communities, every patient really counts because remember it's for that patient and we really help in the journey so yeah. they can get in touch with us and we'll help you find, you know, where's the best oncologist near you, you know, like, like we really actually yeah. help Sherpa that journey because it's a tough one and it's not a very clear playbook. So we're there to help. And so count on us as a friend. And remember that this again, being a movement, there's not much data of cancer in dogs. There's lots of data of cancer in people, not in yeah. dogs, sadly. So we need to build this playbook. We need to build this data set so that when the next dog, right, gets yeah. cancer, it's much, much, it's like a whole revolution of, you know, speed, access to tools that are life, potentially life-saving, you know, so, so we need to clean this up and like take it to the 21st century, really. And we need to do it together. Okay. So we need everyone to be like, raise awareness, go to PhytoCure. If your dog has cancer, contact us. If your this friend's is the dog first has step. Cancer, yes. Come to us, come to us because we will help and uh, we'll do, you know, the absolute best that we can. And obviously we are not the clinicians, right? We partner right. with the best hospitals in the United States. So, and in France now. Uh, so, so we, you know, we'll really just really help. Um, we're very, right. We're gathering that data set. So it's, it's really for the benefit of, of, you know, your dog, but actually for the species as a whole. So, so phytocure right now, it should be the first point of contact when your dog gets diagnosed. So it's like, here Absolutely. it is, just to help mm -hmm. you navigate those turbulent waters. And and totally. here, you you, you, you are going to help everybody just go here, go there, do this, don't do that. So which, like you mentioned, it's um, turbulent times, you know, catch, catches you usually by surprise. And now, now what do I do? Exactly. So count of, on us as a friend for that. We're and we're very interested in, in mapping that journey. You know, that, that is the entire interest is what is the canine cancer journey. So let's do it together because then yeah. and hey, and pet parents tell us and teach us stuff all the time. And the clinicians, oh my God, we have just the biggest reverence because they're there at the clinic and they teach us, no, do it like this because that helps. No, that doesn't help. So, you know, we have to craft and it's um right. it's ongoing. We're very, you know, lucky to be here near Stanford, the uh, human-centric design like principles, uh, the D school is here so you know we've had influence on how to design you know processes and whatnot with this kind of you know really really thinking of the user so we're kind of yeah. obsessed about that you know what i mean so but we need you know basically we the more we the need more users data, cl yeah clearly and and well just are you doing like big outreach campaigns to targeted groups in the u.s like the latino community or just in english in general is that something that we can help out and Oh, you just gave me a great idea. I think we should probably do something very targeted for the Latino community. Absolutely. And, you know, 
uh, up the ante here. Say, you know, if you if your dog has cancer, at least know of a Latina company that exactly. is, is moving the needle. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, I'd like be you very... mentioned, I mean, you know, in our communities, the dog became a part of the family. It's no longer it's it's Fido, it's Fidulice, whatever it is. But it's it's just yeah. It's, I probably have more pictures of my dogs than my kids now. Um, so yeah, they're an integral part of who we are. And I think, yeah, I mean, you being Latina, I mean, and, and, and having us, you know, helping us navigate those waters when the time comes, hopefully it doesn't for a lot of us, but if it does, then you have a friend. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, um, and we're doing this now, you know, we're working with, um, you know, 200 of the best hospitals, uh, probably even been, you know, more than that, but yeah. 200 that we work with consistently, the pretty significant proportion of the you know, oncology community. And so we in, in veterinary medicine. So, so we most likely can tell, can have, you know, a clinician near you that like, okay, go here. And you know what I mean? And we just yeah. help you. Um, and we're really interested in that. So I'd love, I'd love to have a higher participation from the Latino community that I know the dog, you know, exactly as you're saying is the world. It's the world for us. Well, Christina, I really appreciate your time, taking the time to come to the show and anything that we can do to help count on us. Thank you so much. Um, I thank you. And this is amazing. And I'm so happy you have this initiative. It's really important to get the Latino voices out. And frankly, like it's not always the number. You know what I mean? There's not yeah. like that focus. So go and do more. I think more. Absolutely. And we want to you know, just show your stories and help others get inspired You know, by people like you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Christina, thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, everyone. We'll thank see you, you next week. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.